0: How's everyone today? That's good to hear. God is powerful, amen? And he's always working, he's always busy doing stuff. Even when we are completely unaware of it, he's still active, he's always on the throne. So today I'm going to be, yeah, continuing kind of the theme. So last week we talked about... Um, isaiah sixty one and what that means for life church, and so we went through a few things and you know describing how you know obviously God sent Jesus to heal up the broken hearted, but he 's also sent us to do that work and continue that work as well, and comfort those who mourn, but as we know, God is comforting us as we mourn, and so it 's a that continual transaction of us receiving from the Lord. And then us going out and giving. So giving crowns of beauty instead of ashes. We receive it, but we also, we give that. So that whole little passage, if you've been following along, you know, that, those first four verses in Isaiah 61, um, he calls us oaks of righteousness. It's pretty special. It's pretty amazing. And he's asked us to rebuild the ancient ruins, restore the places devastated, and renew the ruined cities. So today... We're continuing on the theme. We've been talking about the what. We're going to begin on the how. How do we do that? How do we posture ourselves to be in a position to effectively do that? And I actually think the easier the answer is easier than we might have thought, but we're going to delve into it. Um, but we're going to go back to absolute basics, absolute basics. I saw online a few weeks ago, and... This, this little quote—it was like Christianity 101. Like, if you were to, you know, get Christianity down to its bare basics, you'd end up with something that looked like this. Um, you know, it's kind of imagine it's a, a university course. So, you want to enrol in Christian theology 101? Well, you need to know that God is love. Absolute basic. Well, how do we worship? What's Christian worship? Well, you love God. What's our spirituality? Love your neighbor as yourself. How do we do community? Well, we love one another. Christian ethics, love your enemies. That's it. We could finish, we can go home. (laughs) That's kind of how it is. It, It should be that simple. How many people know it's not always that simple? But it actually should be that simple. So this is where we'll be going over the next few weeks, breaking down the simplicity of the gospel, what that looks like for us, so that we can see those those items in Isaiah sixty one come to pass for the, for Life Church. And so we'll be preaching into some of these ideas over the next few weeks with some helpers, which will be great. But today we're going to start on the first one, the big one. God is love. How many people know God is love? A few of you? That's good. A couple? So it's pretty important. I believe in order to love God or even love our neighbor, then we need to start at this spot. We need to get this bit right. It's not a command, God is love. It's a, an awareness, which is very important. So where does this phrase come from? God is love. Well, we're going to have a little look at the passage in the Bible where it comes from. And something very unusual happened to my font here. So it does cut off here. It's supposed to all be the same one. All the other slides are okay. we been going from one computer to the next. Something unusual happened. So, but let's read and we'll, um, yeah, if you want to, following along, it's 1 John 4 verses 7 to 21. Dear friends... Hang on. (laughs) This is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Let's read that verse again. That's verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Let's continue. Dear friends, since God so loved us, so we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. That's how we know. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. Let's consider that for a moment. God lives in them and they live in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. The three words again, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Jesus. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. What a passage. I'm like, I was just going to grab a verse and go on that, but I'm like, oh, I want that next one too. And I want that next one too. I want it, it just, what a passage. It's great. Two particular verses say God is love, but the whole theme throughout it is so empowering. God is love. I'm going to talk about the word but for a second. Anyone ever heard say, well, yes, God is love, but? Some of you looked a bit worried until I said that. God is love, but. I've heard it said the truth is on the other side of your butt. I don't know exactly what that means. But it is. You've heard it said. You know, someone might say, Imre's a great guy. But, oh, I mean, Imre's a great guy. There's no, there's no but about it. And so when you when you're using a sentence like that, often it means you're about to say something else that may negate the first thing you said. You know what I'm talking about? This restu- restaurant's great, but oh, you're about to tell me something that's not so great about it. Well, it's either great or it isn't. Maybe it's a, you know, a ranking of some description. I've heard it said many times in many places, in many pulpits, God is love, but. And generally what that means is the person is about to tell you something that is about to present God as a little less loving. Not saying all the time, just saying generally. That's what it's about to come across as. Well, yes, God is love, but... And I think it's either one thing or another. And some people go, well, God is love, but he's righteous. I'm like, well, yes, he is. That doesn't cancel out the love. There's no need for a but. I would say God is love and he's righteous. And you know what? Through that, he makes us righteous. Oh, well, God is love, but he is holy. Yes, God is love and he is holy. And he is making us holy through his love. It's not like a canceling the other one out it's not like we're going to chip off some of the love and you know we're going to make him a little less loving according to this twice and throughout god is love full stop there may be you know other things you know, verses taken out of context meaning other things that you know might cause someone to go yes but but he's also this but he's also this well the way i look at it the whole Bible points to Jesus. And Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. And so therefore we need to look at everything from that lens. If it doesn't make sense, maybe it requires further examination. Some people might say, "But Ryan, you're you're cherry-picking here." Cherry-picking verses, who's ever heard that phrase? You're just cherry-picking. I've got some news for everyone, especially for the people with their butts. Is that we all cherry pick. We actually all do it. If I'm going to stand here and say, God is love. Well, I've taken that bit and held on to that and that's my verse. But the person says, but he is also just. They have cherry picked that bit and thrown it in with my cherries. All right. We all cherry-pick verses. Let's be honest. If you were standing at a cherry tree, which ones would you pick? Yeah, I'm going to pick the good ones. It's like, you can pick the bad ones if you like. You can pick the bad ones if you want. As I said, the whole Bible points to Jesus. So I'm going to cherry-pick the verses that look the most like Jesus. Anything else, if it doesn't look like Jesus and it's in the Bible, I I need to have a closer look at that. I need to put that in its proper context and work that out properly. If there's a verse in the Bible, let's be honest, are there verses in the Bible that might not look like Jesus? There are. Just saying. We can flick through the Old Testament but if we're reading that through the lens of Jesus, it actually draws us closer to Jesus. It is actually, you know, I, I, this is a whole other sermon, just again, I have this habit, that, that, could, that could actually start on this whole thing. We'll talk about that maybe another time. But I'd like to finish with that. If you're worried about cherry picking, or if you're worried that I'm cherry picking, we are in good company, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus cherry picked verses from the Old Testament to make his points. And he did it when he read Isaiah 61. He left a bit out and then he pointed to two examples that really upset the people around him to demonstrate God's love for the Jews and the Gentiles. He could have quite easily picked other verses that may have looked like the Gentiles were excluded. He deliberately chose these ones to make his point, and then Paul does it a lot in his letters too. It just keeps going. Not Paul, Paul. <laughs> you know what I mean? Paul's looking at me like, no, don't. <laughs> Saint Paul. I mean, I mean. Sorry, that's that's not helping matters. Um, St. Paul, who used to be Saul, let's go with that. That's the one who wrote, who wrote most of the New Testament, okay? That's the, that's the Paul I'm talking about. Yes, Paul and Jesus both cherry-picked, but I think we can leave that there. If you're like, well, Ryan, that's, you know, that's too heavy, come and have a chat. Because um, I'd like to show you some verses that I've picked out of the Bible right now to share with you. So let's go with this first one. If you think that this is an isolated moment in the Bible in 1 John 4, saying God is love, well, here's 10 verses that, like this th- thread throughout the whole Bible. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Yes, He is. Psalm 136 Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. very tuneful. His love endures forever. Who's familiar with that psalm? I've heard a few people say that, you know, maybe worship music today can be a bit repetitive. Check out this psalm. Um, every second line is the same for the whole 26 verses. His love endures forever. I think a point is being made here. I'm making one too. All right, let's, let's keep going. Isaiah 54.10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. A bit further forward in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. It's all there. Let's jump a testament. This one's pretty famous. I reckon you might have seen this one. John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. A bit further on in the same gospel. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Who's that talking about? Jesus is saying it. And what did he do? He laid down his life. Greater love has no one else than this. A bit Further forward, to one of Paul's letters. Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His love for us was even before we recognized his love for, our love for him. While we were still sinners, he did this. Romans 8. Ephesians 2 But because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you have been saved it's almost like a rewording of the of Romans 5 back into the same letter that we started in see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are that is what we are you know I think it's really important when we're we're singing our worship songs to be focused on the Lord and singing our love for him and using his name and all of that there's some people who have been critical just in general around the world of, of, you know, worship songs. Oh, it's a little bit me focused. Well, what if you're declaring what God says about you? That is what we are. We've just been saying that is who you are and that's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. There's nothing wrong with declaring what God says about you at the same time. I can tell you, if you did that, it would start to sink in and you would understand your position in the Father. Why is it important that we know God is love? As I said before, it's not a command. It's a fact. But I believe that if we don't know it, then loving God and loving others becomes just a legalistic task just an exercise, something we have to do to be a good Christian. If we're just doing it out of duty, if we know God is love, then it becomes a response. It it becomes something from our heart. We're responding to that love that God is, that love for us. Rather than just ticking the boxes, I better do this to be a good Christian. I better get it all right. When it becomes a heart response, it's very different. But another reason it's important, in simple terms, in very simple terms, we can't respond effectively to God and to others without being filled first. Think about it. If you've got a water jug and your job is to pour glasses of water for a whole bunch of people, you are eventually going to run out of water. You're going to need to refill in order to give out. You have to. You must refill. The heavenly transaction of God gives, we receive, we give, doesn't work if we're not receiving. We see this in different areas in life. Anyone been on an airplane? Going through the, the safety routine beforehand? Your job is to fix your oxygen, in, in the case of an emergency, before assisting others. You might think, "Well, oh, I'm a generous person. That's no good if you run out of oxygen. You need to assist yourself so that you can be of assistance to others. You need to receive oxygen so that you can help others. We love God because God first loved us. Also, when you know the love God has for you and when you truly know, then you will know who you are. You will know your identity in him. You cannot have an identity problem when you know whose you are. If you know you are the Lord's, then you can't have a problem with your identity. There are a lot of voices out there speaking about identity. And they are pulling in a lot of directions. But if you know who you are, and whose you are, and that you are loved by God, who is love, it changes everything. But it goes even deeper than that. The old covenant was all about our behavior towards God and towards others. Even the the greatest commandments. The question asked of Jesus, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the what? In the law. What is the greatest commandment in the law? So these greatest commandments, I've said this before, Jesus summarizes the entire Old Testament with the next two things he says. Love the Lord your God, With your heart, strength, mind, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says all of the law and prophets. That's how he interprets it all. Going back to what I said before, if there's something in the Old Testament, you're like, gee, that just doesn't match with Jesus. Well, he's summarizing it all there. The whole thing should lead us to love God and love others. The whole lot of it. That's how he interprets it. But it's how he interprets the Old Covenant. He interprets the Old Covenant. It's where it gets a bit deeper. The Old Covenant was all about do this, do that. And these two greatest commandments, and they are the greatest commandments, are about our behavior towards God and others. Michelle and I have a book at home that was gifted to us called Love Secrets by John Mark Pantana. And he responds to this idea of, well, the old covenant says this. This is about our behavior. And this is what he says about the new covenant. This new covenant is focused solely on God's behavior towards us. How do we enter this new covenant? For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. That's from Hebrews. The Greek in this verse communicates, I promise with all that I am, I will absolutely never count your wrongs against you. May it never be. This is a double-clad guarantee. Our entry into this much better covenant is through God's actions, not ours. Our role is simply to believe the glad tidings of God's love for us. Whereas the old covenant could be summed up by our love for God, the new covenant is summed up by God's love for us. Us, Wowzers. That's pretty deep. And of course, from that position, then we can love God and love others. It's that understanding of, I don't need to do this and do that in order to be right with God. God has done the work. The new covenant... That's what we are living in, the New Covenant. In order for us to be effective stewards of what God has given us, or faithful to the calling he has placed on our lives, and we all have one, that's as individuals, but also the calling placed on this church. This needs to be our posture. We need to get that bit right first that understanding. It's not to negate anything else. It's not to say we can just go, well, God loves me, I can do whatever I like. Because if that's your response, then you've missed it. You've missed the importance of his love for you. Because what we therefore are doing from that love is responding out of relationship. As individuals and as the church, we need to have that posture of God is love. Can I get you to stand, please? like to finish with another quote from the same book. Our capacity to love God and love people is only as potent as our consent to receive His love for us. Just let that sink in for a bit. Our consent to receive His love for us. We love because he first loved us. Jesus put it simply and profoundly. As you have freely received, freely give. Strap your receivers on, folks. God is constantly surveying the earth for a heart open to receive his inexhaustible affection. Like the water jug we talked about before. This one never runs out. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loves us. You are the beloved after all. Perhaps it is time to start posturing yourself as the beloved. loved. Now I know that there would be people either in the room watching online you might struggle with the idea of receiving God's love you might be people who are excellent at giving it out to others but I can tell you if you are not receiving you will run out you will run out eventually you'll burn out you'll get exhausted I've spoken to many Christians over the years some of them good evangelists they're excellent at telling people God loves you they walk away from that moment thinking I'm not worthy it can be hard we can think it's selfish selfish but it's not selfish when you look at what the Bible says. You look at it through the lens of Jesus and understand His great love for you. Just right now, let's just take a moment close your eyes. You want to hold your hands out in a posture of receiving. that be your only focus right now. search the earth looking for people willing to receive your love we present ourselves to you now we are willing we are open we know you love to pour it out we open our hearts to you open our minds to you Open our hands to you. Just thank you, Lord, that as you're doing this right now, we are transforming into your likeness. shaping us God shaping our identity in you God may this never be just a moment on a Sunday morning where we received from you that one time God us that we can receive your love at any time of day or night, any day of the week help us to be aware of your presence and just know that you love to pour out your love you still standing before we close if you feel that particularly if you're someone who's struggled with this idea and you want to spend more time you, you are absolutely welcome to spend more time, you can come up the front just, just enjoy his presence enjoy the love he has for you to stay in your seat and do it as well. But we will close in a moment. But I just want to invite you to come forward if if you feel you don't know the Lord. If you feel you you don't know Jesus. I'd love to pray for you that's your your desire your response to him that you want to know him more you want to give your heart to him and I invite you to come and see me But we will close for free if you're in those categories to, to hang and do what you need we'll have refreshments in the foyer Don't forget, if you want to help carry a big fridge, come and speak to me or Sandy. That's happening at 4.30 today. We're meeting someone at their house in Kyala.